How are we doing, Hope City Church? Good? Good to see you guys. My name is Jason. Uh, hello to Shepherdsville uh, location there and, and here at South Louisville. Just excited we get to be together. We are starting a, a brand new series today called Made for Monday, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. We'll talk about that in just a second. I want to say a couple of things really quickly. The first thing I want to say is just thank you to everybody who's reached out uh, since Thursday and um, so many texts and messages and calls and voicemails. Uh, for those of you who are not sure, Andrea, my wife Andrea and the boys were in a really bad car accident Thursday, and, uh, and so we, we spent all day at the hospital and, um, and, and got everybody home, and the boys are actually with me this morning at church. They're, they're doing good. Uh, they'd love to tell you how brave they are. If you want to ask them, they'd love to tell you about that. Um, uh, and Andrea was, was banged up pretty good, honestly, but you know, I, I think one of the things we've kind of learned through this process is that it doesn't always have to be good news to see how good God is in something, and uh, it, it could have been so much worse. We feel so blessed, and, and just the damage and everything, and, and so many of you have reached out, so if we haven't had a chance to text you back or call you back, just know we got it. Thank you. We love you. We feel your love, and a little bit, day by day, we're getting a little bit better, so, um, but yeah, it, 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 we feel blessed for sure just because of the way God protected uh, my family and the way you guys have loved on us. So thank you, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. The second thing I want to let you know is just um, over these next two weeks, uh, we really want you to jump in. You know, we say all the time around here that church is more than a service, it's a family. I think some of you are starting to believe us, I think. We're, we're getting there on that. And so I just want to kind of let you know uh, two things that are happening. Number one, growth group registration. This has been going on for about a month and groups are officially kicking off this week. Over 170 of you guys have signed up, um, and you're in a group, which is amazing. And we, there's still some of you on the fence. Um, we, we would love for you to jump into a group at both locations when you leave service. There would be somebody who would love to answer questions for you, talk to you. You could meet potentially your group leader. Um, and, and try it a couple weeks. If you don't like it, you can totally quit on the group. We're giving you permission to do that. No hard feelings, but we really believe that you're going to like it. So if you haven't signed up, make sure you sign up today. And then next, um, no, I'm sorry, in two Sundays, two Sundays, we're having our friends and family celebration. That's what we're calling it here at South Louisville. And then in uh, Shepherdsville, it's the one-year celebration um, for, uh, for Shepherdsville. We, we officially launched a year ago. So for that weekend, just, a, just all locations, both campuses, just a great opportunity to bring somebody with you. Uh, this is kind of traditionally what we would call Sunday fun day, uh, but we don't just have church on Sunday anymore. So it's friends and family weekend and our one-year celebration at Shep. So uh, bring somebody. It's going to be a good time. And uh, we'll have food and games and all sorts of stuff. We want you to hang around after our services and have a good time and good time with us. So big, big opportunity for you to invite somebody there. And we'd love for you to be, uh, be a part of that with us, okay? Now, we are kicking off today a brand new series called Made for Mondays, where we are talking about how to love Jesus more and hate your job less. Let me see hands, both locations. How many of you have ever had a job you hate? Let me see your hand if you've ever had a job that you hate. Hopefully none of the staff members at the church are raising their hand right now about their current job. But uh, we, we're, we're doing this series because overwhelmingly when our staff, when myself or our pastoral team talk to you and you say you want to meet or you're praying about something, overwhelmingly uh, you talk about your job. Either you're unhappy at your job, or something is going on at your job, or you're frustrated about your career, or the path 
that God has you on for your life or the money that you make or the hours that you have to work. It always seems to, in some way, come back to uh, come back to career and job. And so I really believe that for the next few weeks, God is going to help us discover, and for some of us, I would say rediscover the purpose and the potential of our jobs. I really believe that over these next few weeks, that, that God would help us to discover or rediscover that purpose, that we would drive into work on Monday filled with purpose, that God is up to something and he's using uh, us in some way. I read, I read these stats recently about, about jobs. We spend 40% of our life at work, 40% of our life at work. When you throw in sleeping, not at work, but just like sleeping at home, uh, overwhelmingly the dominant time in our life is laying in bed asleep and at our job. Like that's where, that's where we spend most of our time. That's over 150,000 hours of your life you spend at work. And here's where it gets a little scary is, is depending on what survey you read, about half the people, half the people say they hate their job. They don't like their job. And then two-thirds of people, maybe they don't hate it, but two-thirds of people say that they believe they're at the wrong job, that they don't enjoy where they work, or maybe their lives should be used differently uh, or, or something like that. They just don't feel like they're at the right job. Now, here's the thought that crosses my mind, is if God cares about your life, and he does, and you spend 40% of your life at your job, then God cares about your job. Let me say it again. If God cares about your life, and he does, and you spend 40% of your life at your job, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say God cares about your job. He cares about your work. He's not waiting for you to get off of work to start caring about your life. He's not waiting for you to clock out so that he can finally, you know, kind of deal with you and talk to you and love on you and, and be with you. He is with you and leading you and by your side at your job. Your job or your career, profession, it affects you financially. It affects you emotionally. It affects you relationally. And, and, and so, of course, it's a big deal to God because of all those ways that it, it affects you. And I want to just say right up front in this series, and we're going to be talking about this with our teaching team over the next few weeks, but I want to just say right up front that God doesn't want you to be miserable, that it's not God's will for your life to be miserable. The only time God wants to use misery for something great is when sin in your life is pulling you away from God. Then if he needs to put you in the belly of a well for three days, he doesn't mind doing that. All right, he'll use misery if he has to do that, but God's will for your life is not that you work a miserable job, that you hate your job, that you dread Mondays. I'm not saying he wants you to be happy all the time. We know that's not true either, but the Bible calls God our heavenly father, and no father that I know, I'm a dad, a lot of dads in the room, no father that I know wants their children to be miserable. Discipline, yeah, may have to step in at some point and and do some things to make sure that they're developing and they're going to be okay, but not miserable. God's will for your life is not that you hate your job. But, but that also doesn't mean that his will for your life is that you leave your job or, or, or leave the life that you hate either. 
So there's this tension that we have to manage that we know God doesn't want us to be miserable, but anytime we feel miserable, we also have to be careful that we don't believe that God's will is that if we feel miserable, we need to cut and run. Because how many people know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you may be here with your spouse, sometimes you can be a little bit miserable in marriage. That doesn't mean you cut and run. You can be miserable in a job. That doesn't mean you cut and run. You could be changing your 17th diaper in a day. That can be miserable. It doesn't mean you cut and run. It's really easy to bounce around from job to job, relationship to relationship, believing that we will find the perfect scenario. Maybe you're still looking for the perfect job, the perfect career, the perfect boss, the perfect hours. The problem is that when you believe there is a perfect scenario and you just haven't found it yet, it's out there, I just haven't found it yet. When that is the case, the problem is always someone else, external circumstances and situations. The problem is never you. If I believe that, that I just haven't found the perfect boss yet, I will always assume that the problem is my boss and not me. If I haven't found the perfect hours yet, I assume the problem is always my schedule, not me. If I, if I haven't found the perfect coworkers, I will always assume that the problem is the environment and not me. And this is going to come as a shock to some of you, I know, so I just want to give you a warning. But the common denominator in every job you've ever hated is you. You've been at every job you've hated. Did you know that? Every single one of them. Different boss, you were there. Different coworkers, you were there. Different schedule, you were there. Different hourly wage, guess who was there? You were there. You are the common denominator in every job that you have ever hated. Now listen, of course, there are bad bosses. Of course, there are bad jobs. There are bad coworkers, bad salaries, bad schedules. We're not saying that it's all your fault. But, but, my heart for this series and my heart for you is that by the time we're done, you will be convinced that you were made for Mondays. I'm really hoping that you'll kind of be convinced that kind of Monday's the new Sunday. I'm hoping you'll be convinced that, that you can be just as spiritual on Monday as you are on Sunday. I'm hoping that you would believe you can feel the presence of God at your desk the same way you can feel him in the auditorium of your church on Monday. I'm hoping that that energy that you have to serve people, you will be convinced that you can have that energy on Mondays just like you do on Sundays. The smile that you have on your face on Sundays, I'm hoping that by the end of this series you'll be convinced you can have that smile, this is crazy, I know, on Mondays. You can do it. The way you get here 45 minutes early to serve, this is crazy, you could do that on Mondays. You could do that. I'm believing that, that by the end of this series that you will believe there is a purpose at your job because there's purpose in your life. There's purpose at your job because there's purpose in your life. And you don't have to dread Mondays. You can be prayed up, living on purpose, feeling like God is going to use your life in significant ways. Here's what I know is that if I was to bring a family up on the stage today and I was to say, hey, let's pray for this family. They really feel God leading them. And so they are selling everything, getting on a plane, flying to the jungles of Africa because they're going to be missionaries and they want to make a difference in Africa. We would clap. We would stand. We'd give money. We would be so excited. We would say, wow, that's amazing. Here's what I believe. It doesn't have to be Africa. You can be a missionary to Monday. 
Half of you don't believe me, but that's okay. By the end of this series, I believe you will. You can be a missionary to Monday. Let me just throw one more disclaimer out there before we jump in, that I'm not promising that by the end of this series that, that, that you're going to um, not, you know, not hate your job all the way. I'm not promising that, that you're going to, to fix all your problems. But I do believe that as we learn what God teaches in this area where we spend 40% of our life, 40%, I believe you're either going to get a better job or you're going to like your current job more because you have the ability to change the hardest part to change. You. You. Hardest thing to change at your job is you. But you have the ability to change it. Let me, let, me say it, let me say it this way. I believe that while you're working your job, God's working on you. I believe that while you're working your job, God is working on you. And this is the big idea that we're going to keep coming back to over the next few weeks. While you're working your job, God is working on you. I want you to let that sink into your heart and to your soul. You get in your car, you drive to work, you're sitting at your desk, you're doing your rounds, whatever it is. While I'm working today, God is working on me today. While I'm working today, God is working on me. Nothing has the ability to reveal what's in your heart and develop your heart more than a job you hate. Character is revealed in that. But it's also true that nothing has the ability to fill you with confidence and purpose more than realizing that God wants to use your life for something that matters and makes a difference. And if you love Jesus and you are at your workplace, you are right where God wants you to be. And so today we're going to start by talking about your boss. This is going to be so fun. We're going to talk about your boss let me ask you a question. I want you to be honest, both locations. How many of you would raise your hand and you, you would say, I have admitted, I, I will admit that I have thought before I would make a better boss than my boss. Let me see your hand. If you've ever thought, you know what, I would be a better boss than my boss. Yeah. I think probably most of us have. I know I have. Three months after I became the pastor here, 11 years ago, three months after I became the pastor of the church, I was having a rough day, I'd had a rough meeting, and I walked into the office, and I picked up the phone, and I called the previous pastor that I worked for here, and I said, hey, man, he's like, what's going on? I said, I just want to apologize. This is a lot harder than I thought it was, and, and every meeting you had with me where you said something, I walked out of your office, and I rolled my eyes. I got authority issues, I'll admit it, and I rolled my eyes, and I thought, man, I could do such a better job than him. And I've been doing it three months, and I just want you to know I'm really sorry, because this is hard, and you did really good. And I don't know how you put up with me, but wow, great job. And, uh, and, that, and he, he brings that up actually a lot, that, that I called him about that. The truth is being a boss is hard, but you know what else is true is that being an employee is hard. Being an intern's hard. Working with people is hard work. But today, we're going to start by talking about bosses because I believe of any of the topics we will teach, this one has the potential to make the biggest difference. We're leading off with it because it's the biggest difference maker. We're going to talk about honor. Everybody say honor. honor. We're going to talk about honor, specifically honoring your boss. Now, when I say the word honor, I don't know what you think about. Uh, may, you know, I'm not saying like you need to go make a, like a crown and go put it on the head of him or her who leads the office. That's not what I'm saying. 
even though I guess you could do that if you want to. They, they maybe would enjoy that. I'm not sure. Uh, but when I talk about honor, I mean it in kind of the traditional dictionary way. The definition of honor just means to treat with high esteem or respect. To treat with high esteem or respect. When we honor something, we treat it like it's valuable or special. That's what honor is. And I can already see some of you rolling your eyes like, oh boy, you don't know my boss. You don't know my supervisor. I know what you mean. But the reason we can talk about honor, regardless of who you work for, is because honor is a choice. Honor is something that you give. It's not earned. Honor's not earned. Honor is given. You choose to honor. It's an attitude that you decide to have. And here's why it's so important, because honor determines what you get out of something. Please hear this. Honor determines what you get out of something. So if I believe that you have no value and I treat you like you have no value, you will not add any value to my life because I decided you had none to give. That is the power of honor. Now, if, 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 if today I said to you guys, I have a really special announcement. Um, I pulled this off. I don't know how I pulled it off, but I pulled it off. The, the Dwayne Johnson, the rock, Dwayne Johnson's going to be here, and he's going to walk through here any minute. He's going to give us 10 minutes, and he is going to tell us how to go from being broke and poor and, and having nothing going for you to being the highest paid, most successful movie star of all time. He's going to be here. Put your hands together for Dwayne, the rock Johnson. You know what I know you would do, even if you don't even care for the rock? You know what you'd do? You'd pay attention. You'd lean in. Some of you get your phone out. You get your notes app out. What, what's The Rock going to say? Hey, he's made it. What's he say, right? If I said, hey, Warren Buffett is going to be here. He's going to give us some financial advice. You know what you'd do? You'd be like, man, if Warren Buffett's giving advice, I want to take some notes here. Can we get some Q&A? Can I meet with him afterwards? Hey, Bill Gates is going to be here. Whoever it is, if I, if, if, if I told you they were going to be here, Hey, Lauren Daigle's going to come and sing a song. Some of y'all be just worshiping. Oh, this is amazing. Right? Because you believe that they have something to offer you. You believe that they have value to give you. And do you know what happens when you believe somebody can teach you something? You know what happens? You learn something. That's the power of value. So if I decide my boss is an idiot... He's never going to say anything intelligent. It's a little tense in here. If I decide my boss is an idiot, he or she's never going to say anything intelligent. If I decide that I'm smarter than my boss, he's never going to be able, she's never going to be able to teach me anything. Some of you, and, and I appreciate the way that you honor and respect me, and that's fine. If I'm preaching, you say, oh, Jason's preaching. I want to lean in here. I'm going to learn something. But if one of the other staff pastors is preaching, you're like, oh, Jason's not preaching. It's no big deal. But, you know, if you would lean in when somebody else was preaching, you would learn just as much. If your heart was receptive to say, you know what, God's word is going to teach me today, you know what would happen? God's word would teach you because that is the power of honor. But when you decide someone has no value, you will gain no value. Now, you may think this sounds ridiculous. Oh, that's so ridiculous. I mean, I would listen to those people because they have authority on this. And 
But did you know that even Jesus was limited by a lack of honor? You can go read it, Matthew chapter 13. Jesus goes to his hometown. And, and the people, when he gets there and he starts doing miracles, the people say, to the very end of Matthew 13, you can go read it for yourself. The people say, oh, we know him. That's Mary's son. Oh, yeah, we grew up with him. We know him. We know his brothers. We know his dad. We know him. And the Bible literally says that they were offended at him because the people who get offended to you are the people who believe that, you know, you're not that special. That they were offended and he could do very few miracles there because of their lack of belief. Jesus is normal. I don't believe he can do anything great. Guess what he didn't do? Anything great. It's the power of honor. Now, if Jesus was less impressive because of a lack of honor, I'm going to go out on a limb and say your boss doesn't stand a chance. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a story from the Bible. Uh, you have a Bible either in your seat or underneath the seat in front of you. Hopefully, you got a sermon guide. Grab that out. We're going to use that as well. We're going to read a story from 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament. There's some page numbers on the sermon guide if you're using one of our Bibles. We're going to read a story from, from 1 Samuel about two men. One of them is named David, the same David who killed Goliath. He's not king yet. He's going to be king. And then the second guy is the current king. His name is Saul. And, uh, and Saul is the, is, the, is the current king. David killed Goliath. He's going to be next. And in this story we're going to read, David is running for his life because Saul's jealousy and insecurity has caused him to want to kill David. Now, good news relating to this story is that if you've ever felt like you're smarter than your boss, you can relate to David because Saul had literally lost his mind, literally lost his mind. If you've ever felt like you're more talented than your boss, you can relate to David. They actually wrote and sang songs about how David was 10 times more effective, powerful, and powerful than Saul was. If you've ever felt more moral than your boss, you can relate to David. God had literally announced that Saul was not going to be king anymore because God did not approve of his behavior. David was a man after God's own heart. Hey, if you've ever been promised a promotion, but it's taking forever and you haven't advanced in your career, you can relate to David. 15 years he's been waiting to be king after they told him that he would be. Not only has he not made it, but now he's running because the guy in charge is trying to kill him. Jealous, egotistical, insecure. That's what David is dealing with. And so in 1 Samuel 24, we're just going to start at verse 1. We're going to read 15 verses together. This is what it says, verse 1, 1 Samuel 24. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines... He was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rock of wild goats. Have you ever felt like that your boss was after you, was trying to get you, trying to trap you? If you have, you can relate to David. Verse 3, at the place where the road passes, some sheepfolds, um, Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Verse 4, look at this. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do as you wish. Now, I want to stop for just a second. We're going to read a little more. But I want to stop for just a moment and highlight this because I think we have to be very careful when we're miserable in life 
that we don't assume God is trying to tell us something that we want to hear. David is hiding in a cave with his men. He wants to kill Saul. Saul just so happens to show up, and David's men say, this is God. God has given him, God is telling you to go kill him. And that's not what God was saying. But it's so easy when you're miserable in life to just make, to kind of make God sound like the information that you want to hear. I just really feel like God tells me I need to, you know, leave my marriage and start over. I really feel like God's telling me I need to quit this job. I really feel, hardly anybody ever comes to me and says, I feel like God's telling me to do the really hard thing. When they're miserable, it feels like God's always telling us what we want to hear. I think it's also worth pointing out that we have to be careful that we don't have friends who only tell us what we want to hear. Always be careful when somebody else tells you this is what God wants you to do. Have you been praying? Have you been talking to God, right? And I think we'll see this in just a second, but this is another great point that you can honor when other people around you don't. When the people around the so-called water cooler or in your office are saying, you know, this about your boss, it doesn't mean you have to. So let's keep reading. So David, it says, crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. That's a big statement right there. Verse 7, so, so David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. I think it's worth pointing out that every opportunity isn't God. Sometimes restraint is God. Every opportunity to advance or to take matters into your own hands is not God. Sometimes restraining from doing anything is God. And that's what he did. So after Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. And then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to these people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. And some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It's a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. Let me just stop real quick before we finish. This is a great reminder that even when my boss does the wrong thing, I can do the right thing. That even when my boss is a jerk, I don't have to be a jerk. That even when my boss treats me awful, I don't have to treat them awful. That I can do the right thing even when my supervisor or the authority in my life does the wrong thing. That reacting the wrong way is not an excuse. I can make the choice to honor. Verse 12. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. I don't care what you do to me. I'm not coming back at you. I don't care what you try to say to me. I'm not going to harm you. As that old proverb says, from the evil men come evil deeds, so you can be sure I will never harm you. And we can just stop. We can just stop right there. So this is a great, great example That even when my boss does the wrong thing, I can do the right thing. I can do the right thing. That I don't have an excuse to not honor. That honor is a choice. That honor is an attitude. It's something that I give regardless of what is done to me or what is happening above me. But I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, 
Okay, Jason, that's the Old Testament. Like, these guys are kings. I mean, God, like, literally chose them to be the kings. Like, they're anointed to be the king of, like, a country, okay? I work at UPS. I work at Walmart. I'm a stock inventory person. I change oil. Like, my boss is not a king. My boss is not the Lord's anointed. I make $8 an hour, This is not the same thing. I understand what you mean, and I understand why it's easy to feel that way. But I want to read another two verses from you from Romans. This is Romans chapter chapter 13. We can read it together. I want us to read it together. It says, everyone must submit. Say everyone. Everyone. Say "Me." me. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. That's kind of talking about government, but we'll keep going. For all, everybody say all. All. Authority comes from HR. No, that's not what it says. It says all authority comes from God. And you're like, no, not, not my boss. Let's keep going. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by HR. No. And placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. That all authority and positions of authority have been placed there by God. Let's say it this way. God hired my boss. God hired my boss. Doesn't that stink? It's actually amazing news that you're not where you are by accident. You were not hired by accident, and you do not have the boss that you have by accident. God hired your boss. And you're like, I thought God was intelligent. God knows what he's doing. I thought God knew everything. I thought God knew people's hearts. Yeah, he does. And he hired your boss. God hired your boss. I'm just letting this sink in. I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy to think, really. And what I hope is that, is that tomorrow or Tuesday or Thursday or Friday, like when there's a meeting and you get bad news or and somebody gets onto you or when your boss has to be the boss and I'm hoping that instead of thinking they're a moron or they're unqualified or I'm better, I'm hoping what you will remember is that God hired my boss. God hired my boss. So, so what do we do? Look at this Proverbs, Proverbs 27. This is actually out of the message translation. Um, but I, I, it was great. If you care for your orchard, you'll enjoy its fruit. If you honor your boss, you'll be honored. This is a biblical idea. This is a biblical model, a biblical concept. Even Jesus was limited by a lack of honor. If you want a better boss, treat him better. God hired him. Authority's established. But how, what do we do? Five ways to honor your boss. I want to be as practical as I can be to try to help you because I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. I get that. 
But I just want to give you five ways that you can honor your boss on Monday, and you can write these in. Number one, these are deep. Are you ready? Say thank you. I'm a boss, and I have an amazing team. God has blessed us with an amazing team here. And, and they are all the time showing gratitude, but even, even when they do it a lot, they never do it too much. And the same thing is true about your boss, your supervisor, your authority. I'm going to go out on a limb here and make a guess that very few people ever tell them thank you. Hey, thank you for being my boss. They're going to think you're about to quit. They're going to think you got a, a, a diagnosis from the doctor. Hey, thank you for working so hard. If you work for a small business and, and there's employees and there's an owner and the owner started it from the ground up, why don't you just walk up to him and say, hey, thank you. I know you took a lot of risk. I know you laid in bed a lot of nights not knowing if you were going to make it. I know you leveraged everything that you had in order to start this business, and now I get to be employed. And today I was able to put gas in my car to get here because you signed a paycheck, and I just wanted to say thank you. Hey, I was able to put my kids in daycare today and write the check for that because you sign your name on a check that you give to me, and I know that money comes out of your pocket, so thank you. I know that you gave me that extra time off when our family was going through that tough time, and you didn't have to do that. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just say thank you. Maybe today, before you go into work tomorrow, you could come up with some things you could thank them for. Number two, encourage them. Encourage them. Hey, I know, I know it's been tough the last couple of weeks. I know that business has been down. I know that we've lost a lot of employees. I know there's been a lot of turnover, but you're doing great. And I know you want your boss to encourage you, but if you will encourage and honor your boss, encouragement and honor will come back your way. I know it's not easy being the boss, but you're doing good. Just encourage them. Encourage them. Let me give you another one. Ways you can honor your boss. Number three, compliment their strengths. Your boss is good at something. You haven't found it yet, maybe, but they're good at something. If you think you're awesome, you can at least say they're good at spotting talent. <laughs> you go with that. Compliment their streets. Man, you're really, you're really creative. You have great ideas. You have great ideas. You're really good with the team. You run great meetings. You're so patient. I don't know how you put up with all of us, but you're so patient. What are they good at? Compliment their strengths. Number four, be on time. If you're late to work, the first thing out of your mouth should be an apology, not an excuse. It's not the train's fault. It's not the traffic's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's your fault. You're late. I'm sorry. Hey, everybody, I'm sorry I was late to work today. I'll leave earlier next time. Enough said. Because when you feel like your boss is valuable, you want to value their time. And if I told you, hey, listen, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Barack Obama or 
Justin Bieber, or I don't know, if, hey, they, they need somebody uh, tomorrow to help them with some stuff. Can you be at their hotel at 8 o'clock? You know what time you get there? About 6.45. You know why? Because you value them. And when you show up on time, you value your boss. Let me give you one more. Work hard. Work hard. Don't ask to be paid for doing nothing. Work hard. Because you're not just working for your boss, you're working for God. You're working for the boss that God hired to put over your life. You gonna have bad days? Absolutely. You gonna not be feeling good? Absolutely. You gonna wanna mail it in someday? Sure. You gonna get lost on YouTube for an hour? I get it. Work hard. Because you're work, when you work hard, you're saying to the person who hired you or that you're working for is responsible for you, I respect you and I hold you in high esteem. Let's end by, let's end by one more idea. Submission will take you farther than ambition. Submission's always gonna take you farther than ambition. And I know some of you driven people, you're like, no way, that's ridiculous. I'm telling you, you decide you're gonna honor and respect the people that God has put over your life and God will continue to elevate you because there are people looking for employees who honor. And you can, you, you, can, you can go do your own thing and sometimes it's time to do that. I get that. But how you treat people on the way to where you're going is probably how you're going to be treated when you get there. And if you will honor up, honor the people that you work with around, honor the people who are below you on the org chart, you're going to go farther than stepping on people, disrespecting people, not giving notices, bailing, not showing up, trying to get your thing going. Honor, 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 honor. So my prayer is that this week or tomorrow, whenever that job gets going, my prayer is that you'd remember, God hired my boss. And I'm going to show respect and honor to the person that God decided needed to be the authority over my life where I spend 40% of it. And I believe when you do that, you're going to begin to see change things in you and around you at your job. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you model for us how to honor, that you held our lives in such high esteem, God, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin, to give us life. And so, God, I pray for every person who is listening to this right now and they would come up with a list of reasons why this would not apply to them. God, all of us struggle with this idea of authority we don't like. But, God, you have shown us and you teach us that, God, you place that authority there. And maybe, maybe it's to learn something. Maybe it's to learn what not to do. I, I don't know, God, but we will be better 
when we decide to honor what you have established. And so help us as we go into work, as we pursue a career, help us, God, to honor the authority you've placed in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.